This is the Christian Circle Podcast and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. Welcome to a new episode of the Christian Circle Podcast and today we have a new guest talking about anger. And before we get on to our new episode, let me just remind all our listeners that wherever you are listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, wherever, uh, please don't forget to rate and review us on um, your listening site. And the reason why I'm telling listeners this is because our title, The Christian Circle Podcast, for some reason is being categorized with um, witchcraft podcasts on iTunes. So please, if you can, uh, rate and review us on the podcast or whichever station you're listening to us. So to get on to our episode on anger, here is William Bloomfield, who's going to talk to us about anger and how we deal with it, especially during this time of Lent. William, tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry. Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, my name is, is Will Bloomfield. I'm, I'm from uh, Michigan, and I'm a, a father. I've got six kids. I'm, I'm married, and um, we, live, we live here in Lansing, Michigan, where I'm actually the general counsel for the Catholic Diocese of Lansing. And uh, prior to that, I was an assistant attorney general with the Michigan Attorney General's Office. And while I was with the Michigan Attorney General's office, I had, um, had an opportunity to put together a project that uh, I called the Sacred Art Series. And this was really just something, I, I'm, I'm a Catholic dad trying to raise my kids to be good, good Catholics. And I wanted to share the scriptures with them. And so the idea I had was to put together a book of the gospels with large print in a story-by-story format, sort of like you might see in in a children's Bible. But instead of having children's artwork, I would have beautiful images of sacred art from some of the best artists uh, in in Christendom. And so I put this book together and it was called, I I call it the Holy Gospels of St. Luke and St. John. And it's available through my website, which is sacredartseries.com. And I have since put together a few other projects through, uh, through the website. I have what, what I call a rosary flip book. I also publish uh, an email list called the Daily Sayings of St. Philip Neri, who was a, a priest in the 1500s in Rome, who was known for these witty sayings. And some of his followers put together 365 of them. And I send one out for every, every day of the year. And I've been doing that for, I don't know, three or four years. So I've, I've just kind of stumbled into a number of projects and I just trying to be a good, good Catholic dad, to be a good Catholic and, uh, and to grow closer to, to Jesus. And these are some of the things that, that he's given me along the way. So I'm, I'm doing them. Great. So one of the other things that you do is also write. And I saw one of your blog posts on 1 Peter 5. I think that was in 2016, way back. And uh, you wrote about anger. So, um, you know, a lot of people would ask why anger is a sin, and we usually list it as a cardinal sin, something that snowballs into something bigger later on. So most people would argue, why is this a sin? Because we all experience it. It's, it's an emotion. It's natural. So why is it a sin, and how does it manifest in us? Sure. Well, I guess the easy answer I would say is, is uh, well, it's, it's traditionally been considered a sin. It's one of the seven deadly sins. It's either considered as, as anger or wrath or rage. And uh, of course, also, we have the words of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who in the Gospels, uh, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount, he identifies, he identifies uh, 
that in the Ten Commandments, you are not to kill, right? But Jesus raises the ante and says, not only are you not to kill, but I say to you, do not even be angry with your brother or you shall be liable to judgment. So Jesus says it, that's, that's good enough for me. But I think all of us really know deep down, even if we, we deny it or try to excuse some of our anger, we, to a certain extent, we know it when we see it, right? We've all seen, um, we've seen ourselves sort of throw our own versions of tantrums. Even though we're grownups, um, we lose our cool, we lose our control, we raise our voice. Um, hopefully we don't, we don't get into actual physical violence, but that, that can even manifest itself. Um, we see it with kids, right? We see kids throw, throw tantrums. And we remember when we were kids and we did the same. But uh, I think, I think um, of, of my own, I've got uh, six kids, as I said, ages 12 down to, to one. And uh, oh, in the last few years, my five-year-old daughter has been uh, exhibiting this. And uh, I mean, <laughs> it's almost like an out-of-body experience. Uh, you think, what happened to that sweet little five-year-old who all of a sudden exploded into this ball of rage? I mean, the words that are coming out of her mouth, I hate you, you stupid boys, or, and she's writhing on the ground in, in, in what seemed to be almost like a diabolical experience. And then as quickly as it came, it often disappears. And then she's completely back in control. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this in, in other people as well. We see it in uh, even um, when you're in a store, sometimes you might see a, a, a child tantruming, or you see a parent responding very poorly to that tantrum and losing their cool mm -hmm. themselves and losing their control. And it's almost, sometimes when you see that, you're almost embarrassed because you, you realize, wow, the parent is actually looking more like the child than the child. Like, okay, kids are kids, but parents, we ought to have some self-control mm -hmm. over our, our ability uh, to, to, to keep calm, particularly in public. Mm -hmm. But uh, we see it, we know that, uh, that people lose control. And I think that um, when we see that, we know that is not something that I want to do. It's not something that is good because what happens when we lose control? We hurt people. And we hurt oftentimes when we're angry, especially within a family context, we hurt the people that we love the most. We hurt the people that we're closest to. And I don't, I think it's, it's just very, very much uh, common sense and a common human experience to know that anger is a sin and we don't, don't like it when it's being directed towards us. And we really, if we ought to be ashamed when we direct it towards others. So you listed on your, in your post that um, there are several gifts, patience, gentleness, etc. cetera. Um, so what exactly is the opposite fruit that we should be working at when it comes to anger? Right. Well, I think there's there's a few ways to, to look at this. You can think of, of love, patience, and gentleness as virtues, something that, that we should seek. And I think in the post, I referenced uh, a quote from, from St. Paul, where he says, uh, but you, man of God, pursue righteousness, devotion, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. So it's something that we can pursue. These, these you would say, are, are virtues. But they are also fruits of the Spirit. So if we are living a life rooted in the Holy Spirit, rooted in prayer, then certain fruits of the Spirit will manifest in our lives. They will become obvious to others. And St. Paul lists the fruits of the Spirit as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I noticed that, so not only is St. Paul saying that we should pursue these things, he's saying that love, patience, and gentleness are actually fruits of the Spirit. So it, it's not something even just that we can pursue, but something that if we pursue a life rooted in the Holy Spirit, that these things will manifest themselves in us. So it can even be a good, a good test to, um, to ask ourselves, do these, these virtues, do these fruits manifest in our life? Mm. Uh, would, how would other people describe us? Would they describe us as loving, patient, and gentle? And maybe they would, and that would be great. Or, or maybe, maybe we, we don't hit the mark as, as well as we should, and, and that we should, we should work to, uh, to achieve those. So I think um, one of the things I, I've noticed, though, especially as a man, is that uh, this, this word gentleness that St. Paul encourages, uh, encourages us to grow and to pursue gentleness. Um, as a man, that, that doesn't always sound like, like something uh, entirely masculine. Uh, mm -hmm. We can have uh, men who, who seek to dominate others or just to show their power, yeah. but we don't think of men who are admired necessarily for their gentleness. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a shame because St. Paul is certainly uh, encouraging us to pursue this, this gentleness. And in fact, it's even in the word gentleman, mm -hmm. right? We, we want to be gentlemen. Uh, hopefully, and that should be a man who who exhibits this this virtue of gentleness and is is able to control himself around others and to protect and serve others, uh, both his family and and others in the community. So I think I think gentleness has been something that's neglected, and if we're not if we're not interested or, or we don't think gentleness is something that is worth pursuing, we're very unlikely to pursue it. So one of the things I, I think is, is worthwhile is to recapture that idea of gentleness as something that is good and that we should pursue, whether we are a man or a woman, we want to be gentle and we want to be known by, by that gentleness. So another area that, uh, that I discovered this, this idea of gentleness uh, has come up in, in some of the sayings of various saints. And so some of my favorite saints are St. Francis de Sales uh, and St. John Bosco. And I found that in the writings of these saints, they both encouraged their followers to not just, not just to, be, to be gentle, but to correct others' faults with firmness and gentleness. And I think that that idea of having both firmness and gentleness is really important because we can. We don't want to be pushovers, right? Especially for someone who's responsible for others, whether you're uh, a husband or a wife, uh, or a father or a mother, or whether you're a teacher who is responsible for a classroom. We don't want to be pushovers. We don't want to fail to form the people that are in our care. But how should we correct their faults when those faults manifest themselves? Do we do it as St. Francis de Sales and St. John Bosco would encourage us, correcting those faults with firmness and gentleness? Or are we more likely to explode and lose our control and lose our patience and really undo the good work that we're seeking to do? And St. John Bosco um, 
there's a reading in the Office of Readings on St. John Bosco's feast day, which is in January every year. And so every year as I read the Office of Readings, which is part of the, the Catholic Church's Liturgy of the Hours, I'll come across this reading and several times as I've read it as a father, it's really convicted me because St. John Bosco is talking about how it's easier to become angry than to restrain oneself. And he says, and it's easier to threaten a boy. He, St. John Bosco had a, was responsible for a number of boys and ran a school for boys. And he said, it's, it's easier to threaten a boy than to persuade him. Yes, indeed, it is more fitting to be persistent in punishing our own impatience and pride than to correct the boys. We must be firm, but kind and be patient with them. They are our sons. And so in correcting their mistakes, we must lay aside all anger and restrain it so firmly that it is extinguished entirely. There must be no hostility in our minds, no contempt in our eyes, no insult on our lips. And this reading is just so powerful. What good advice. And when I hear those words, no hostility in our minds, how many times when we go to correct someone, particularly within the family, May, or again, maybe it's in a school setting. How, how regular does, is there that hostility in our minds where we go to correct that somebody did something wrong? We're not saying that they didn't do something wrong. They did something wrong that needs to be corrected, but we become filled with hostility in trying to correct it. We can hear this even in, in the tone of our voice, yeah. in the volume of our voice. It gets raised. It kind of has a sharp edge, just this tone of annoyance, of anger, of frustration. And we all know that there are other tones that we could have. There is a tone of, of gentleness, a tone of patience, a tone of love. We've all heard those, the different tones in our voice. And to, to, to see this, or he says, no contempt in our eyes. I mean, think for a moment, uh, think of that flash of anger yeah. that you have seen in someone else's eyes directed towards you. Or think of, imagine what that flash must look like in your own eyes as you lose your cool. You know, those, those eyes become daggers where they are communicating such hostility. It's, it's really amazing how much can be communicated through the eyes, through the facial expressions. He says, no insult on our lips. Um, I think this is quite an examination of conscience to consider these questions and whether when we go to correct, we are able to do so patiently and calmly with an even temper. And I think um, an interesting aspect of this is, of course, St. John Bosco wants us to be holy, to be saints, and thinks that we should do this. But I know in parenting books that I have read over the years, they actually counsel something very similar, which is do not punish in anger, mm -hmm. right? Parents need to to be calm before they administer that punish that punishment. And usually if they're not calm, the child is not calm and, or, or a husband and a, and a spouse as they amp each other up and, and get into an argument, the voice gets louder. The other one responds with a louder voice. Uh, your facial expressions become hostile. Theirs become hostile. And pretty soon it's a full-blown argument. And it's very different, difficult to extricate yourself once you've lost that cool. Mm -hmm. So I think these are just a few, uh, a few areas where this idea of 
of correcting with firmness and gentleness and, and having and pursuing gentleness is really valuable and something maybe that, that, uh, that we don't pursue as intentionally as we should. And when you get into arguments, like there's always this point, especially when it comes to anger, that you can take back what you once said. So you, you, you tend to permanently break, break the fabric of your relationships. Absolutely, absolutely. So people would justify anger because I've seen this on a number of sites, you know, um, where people will quote an example of Jesus overturning the, the table in the temple, which finally leads to, you know, the, the, the high priest deciding he needs to die or Moses killing uh, this man for whatever reasons, all in anger. And they would say that this is a kind of holy anger and it is different from that of an unholy anger. Now, I don't know the difference, but is there a difference? Because I see a lot of people, a lot of academics um, kind of justifying this online. Yeah, well, I first wanna say I'm, I'm, not a, um, I'm not a theological expert I don't, I don't pretend to be, I'm a, I'm a fairly well-educated and, and hopefully well-catechized Catholic. Uh, so I'll, I'll do my best on this. I know uh, St. Thomas Aquinas uh, has, has some answers on this subject and he certainly uh, agrees and believes that righteous anger does exist. And I agree with that. I think that righteous anger absolutely exists. Uh, Christ's, the example that you cited is a, is a wonderful example of that Christ overturned the, the money changers tables in the temple he was filled with zeal for his father's house so there's no question righteous anger exists where i think we get into difficulty and challenge is all right how do we identify that righteous anger and how do we ensure that we're not just making excuses for poor behavior um, on ourselves or by ourselves so i think there's a few ways of, of thinking about this first i think we should remember okay christ overturning the money changers tables in the temple well, one, this is Jesus Christ, <laughs> the word incarnate, God, God made flesh, the sinless man. Um, Christ was constantly united to God the Father in prayer. Mm -hmm. So we can be absolutely sure that Jesus was not operating out of his own will here, yeah. but out of true zeal for the Father. He was constantly going off in prayer. He would go off to deserted places. He, of course, in, in a regular sense, he was united to the Father. Um, but Jesus was praying so constantly and was so rooted to the will of God the Father that I guess what I would propose for, for the rest of us who would like to maybe justify some of our anger, can we say the same? Are we, can we really say that when we're angry, that this is a manifestation of the zeal for God the Father? Mm -hmm. or? Is it actually, is it actually uh, more a reflection of our own shortcomings, our own peevishness, our lack of patience? Um, so I, I think I think we should question ourselves first. So that's let's not just assume that because we have a righteous cause that 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 the manifestation of our anger is itself righteous or rooted in in the zeal for for God or or for doing His will. So that's that's the first. Um, I think the other problem with, with righteous anger is even if it is truly, the cause is truly righteous, how do we control the anger that then results? Because this is, this is essentially the problem with anger is that it could begin for a, because of a just 
cause, but can we control it or does it consume us? And I think almost all of us will admit that we are no longer in control. When we're truly angry, we've lost control. It's like back to my example with my five-year-old daughter, she's out of control. And that's, that's the problem with anger is that even if it begins well, it, it explodes and we can no longer be sure that we're properly channeling our anger or controlling our, our anger. Another issue with it is, okay, well, how do we, how do we direct our anger? And is it, is it manifesting itself in the right way at the right time and in the right amount? Or has our anger become disproportionate to the harm? Um, and, and again, I think uh, of so many instances within, within the family, which really this is the reason I wrote the post was, was thinking about moms and dads within the family and how I hear it from my friends who have families, young families, they're regularly struggling with this problem. They, they don't like themselves when they lose their patience and lose their cool with their kids. Um, they know that it's, it's a problem. And so they want to be able, they want to be able to solve it. But, um, I, I think too often with, with anger, even again, if it's a, a just cause, uh, how do we control it? How do we direct it? Is it at the right time? Is it the right amount? Or has it exploded into something that is disproportionate to the harm? And you think of the, the little, uh, little thing that a kid, a kid will do, <laughs> Uh, within the home, maybe it's truly something like spilled milk, right? We say, don't cry over spilled milk. Yeah. But I will tell you, spilled milk sometimes causes an angry mom or an angry dad or an angry kid. Uh, it, it really does. It, these these little things turn into something and it's so silly, yeah. but it explodes and it's disproportionate to what the true harm was. And maybe it's because we were stressed out about something. Maybe it was because we were focused on something else. I noticed for me, uh, a lot of the times when I would get angry with my kids or lose my temper was because I was distracted. Mm-hmm. They were interfering with something that I wanted to do for myself. Um, I, I noticed this particularly when I was using my, my cell phone a lot more. I'm, I'm, I don't use it much anymore. I've deleted my social media accounts. I'm, I'm not on it. I'm not, not using it much. I set it to the side, but boy, there was a time when I was pulling that out and I'm looking at it and, you know, you justify it. You tell yourself, oh, it's only a few minutes here, only a few minutes there. But then when your kid comes up and wants to do something and you ignore him, and then he does something that demands your attention and you lose your cool. Uh, and this is the stuff that happens in regular families all the time. And so I think some of this we can avoid by being present to our children in the first place. I think the devices that, that we have often create opportunities and temptations to, to lose our cool and to not be present to our children. So if we weren't stressed out or distracted, we might not have lost our, our temper in the first place. But uh, that's, that's uh, often the way it goes. So I think another thing to consider with, with righteous anger uh, or, or questioning whether our anger is righteous is has that anger really just become an excuse to retaliate or an excuse to engage in vicious behavior of our own? And I'm not suggesting that I have a good answer to these questions. I'm suggesting that people who would like to justify their anger ought to ask themselves these questions. Yeah. Uh, and what's the best way to get an answer to these questions? I suggest we need to take and question our anger in prayer. So we, when we found that we 
have become angry at someone or something, we should be going to God in prayer and asking him, God, is this the way you want me to respond to this situation? And truly, we should be asking God, how do we, how does he want us to respond to a situation before we react? So if we're not pausing, if we're not so recollected that we are pausing to be truly rooted in God and in the Holy Spirit, and remember, this is, was Christ's example, to be so united to God, then how can we be confident that our immediate reaction, our emotional response, is actually the one that God wanted? Or is that just too easy? Are we being too easy on ourselves when we suggest that our, our reaction is actually probably God's will? Is it really? Is, is our reaction, our, our almost involuntary response, that's God's will? That, that just seems too convenient, that we need to be more intentional in taking things to God in prayer and only responding uh, after we have done so. So I, I think that's... That's my, my thought on, on righteous anger. I think sinful anger is, is uh, more easy to identify, as I've said before. I think uh, we all sort of know that when we see it, but that we ought to regularly question our anger. And really a, a practice that I would recommend that I, I started doing a few years ago, and it's a, a practice firmly rooted in the Christian tradition, is a nightly examination of conscience. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know that I don't know that a lot of people do this, but uh, the idea of an examination really, I think it, it probably precedes St. Ignatius of Loyola, but St. Ignatius of Loyola would even recommend that his followers, uh, he's, he founded the Jesuit order, mm -hmm. that his followers should have multiple examinations during the day. Yeah. And they should review, even over a period, maybe at lunchtime, review the period that has, has preceded uh, that, that time in the day and examine what is my predominant fault and have I engaged in that fault? And if you're trying to overcome the sin of anger, then I think this is a great way to examine yourself and to say, all right, it's, it's 12 o'clock or, or even it's, it's 9 p.m. at night and I'm, about, I'm, I'm getting ready uh, to retire or attend or whenever it is. And to examine your day and say, were there, how many times did I lose my temper? Did I, did I raise my voice during the day? Did I uh, have a, sni a, a snippy or a snappy tone or an ang angry tone to my voice. And once you start to examine this, I think a person who's truly and regularly losing their temper will, will start to recognize it and also be able to be better prepared the next day. And again, this, I, I mean, I recommend, I think one of the best things a person can do is not only the nightly examination, but morning prayer to wake up in the morning. And one of the first things you do is to take time in mental prayer with God, thank him for his blessings, ask him for forgiveness for your sins, adore him, pray for others. These are, this is a great time, even if it's 15, 20, 30 minutes, uh, it's a great opportunity to draw closer to God, maybe spend some time reading the scriptures so that you're being formed in the word of God. And focus on what is that virtue that you're trying to seek and what is that vice that you're trying to root out and often say it's anger and that you want to grow in patience well one of the things that a, um, a spiritual director suggested to me is to try not to raise your voice mm -hmm. and then consider it at the end of the day whether you've succeeded and again if you're losing your temper <laughs> you're going to be raising your voice when you do so so 
maybe instead of saying, well, I'm not going to get angry today, which is a resolution you probably won't be able to keep, why don't you start by considering, well, I'm going to know the tone and volume of my voice and try to control it. And so when I start to feel and hear myself getting louder and losing that tone, I will restrain myself and I will turn to God and ask for his grace and I will do my best to, to make progress. And if I fail, I will turn to God and I will ask his forgiveness and I will ask pardon of anyone who, who I, I raised my voice with or lost my temper with and try to go about correcting this defect. And I found that this was excellent practical advice and that it's really made a difference in my own life and with my kids. Once I started praying daily, doing that nightly examination, focusing on not raising my voice, I found, wow, I don't, I, I don't often find myself at the end of the day having to, to confess to God in, in my own examination of conscience that that was my, that was my problem or that that was my, my vice. That's not to say that you won't ever encounter this. Of course we will. We will still, we're going to lose our cool. We're going to lose our temper from time to time. But the key is that we not just excuse it, but that we work on that again through the grace of God and, mm -hmm. and continue to try to, to grow to grow in virtue day by day. I, I once heard someone suggest that if we just focus on one vice a year and root out <laughs> that one vice every year, that very quickly we'll be saints. It won't take many years to get rid of those vices. But instead, we're too often we just shrug our shoulders and say, hey, well, uh, I guess this is just the way I am, or I've got a bad temper. No, I, I think that's too easy and too convenient. And I think that that uh, God wants us to be to be holy. He wants us to be perfect. And, and he, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So really, everything that we do to conquer our anger, we can't conquer it. We need to depend on God and be rooted uh, be rooted in prayer, and only through the grace of God can we can we conquer it. So that was actually going to be my next question. I mean, because can we really do it on our own? And uh, even if we're doing it through God's grace, I mean, what are the steps? I mean, I know you mentioned uh, a nightly examination of conscience. You mentioned daily prayer, uh, taking everything back to God in prayer. Um, what are other steps that people can take uh, so that they can overcome this, at least from their end? Yeah, I think I've, I kind of have given, given what I think are, are the, the steps. It really is. It's, um, I think it's, we need to be rooted in the word of God. Uh, we should be formed by the scriptures, I think, uh, and by the teachings of the church. And I think that a lot of people, if we, if we were to really be honest, what are we formed by? Are we formed in God's word yeah. through daily reading of the scripture yeah. or are we formed by the culture around us are we formed by entertainment are we formed by news are we formed by social media have these things truly become idols that interfere with our our worship and devotion and love of God and I think if we're honest most of us spend more time stewing in entertainment and news yeah. and and these these other areas right? Netflix, other media uh, than we do in, in the word of God. So I think regular scriptural reading or spiritual reading as part of, uh, as part of a, a daily prayer, daily mental prayer, daily quiet prayer, I think it's just indispensable. I think we'll start to see that if we spend more time in prayer and less time in the world being formed by the world, that 
our values will start to shift and that we will want to love God more. We will want to be holy. We will want to purge ourselves of our vices and we'll be more attentive to them. So I think that's, that's a, an important part of this. Um, I think, as I said, the, the examination of conscience, actually considering yourself at the end of the day. And yeah. I mean, it's so easy. I think our world, again, we're inclined to judge other people. It's very easy to look out and say, boy, look at all those people and how messed up they, they are and would be better if everyone else was just better and then the world would be better. But isn't it truth that the problem with the world, and I think it was G.K. Chesterton uh, had a, a, a witty quote as he always did on this. He said, the problem with the world is me, right? <laughs> we are sinners. We do things. And it's not, it's not uh, appropriate to simply minimize the wrong that we do and say, oh, well, there, those, there's all, all these other bad people out here who are doing bad things. Well, maybe they are, but what do you have more control over, them or yourself? And the truth is we have control over ourselves and we have control, maybe we're responsible within a family. How much influence do we have in our own little sphere of influence? Even if it's just, just amongst our family or our friends, we have quite a bit and we ought to focus on those areas and those relationships that we can, that we can control and that we can improve on. And as, as I said before, we, we root out one vice a year. I mean, we'll make, we can make great progress. So I think, I think we need to, to really be uh, attentive to ourselves and less, less judgmental uh, and focus on others. And one of the ways we do this is with this examination of our own sins. At the end of the day, we should be looking back at our day and thank God for his blessings and also look for those areas where I fell short. And uh, for Catholics, uh, this is also a great practice for the regular practice of, of sacramental confession. Um, my, my dad did a good job in raising me to uh, encourage me to go every two to four weeks for confession. And that's been a great habit that was developed. And then when you go to confession, you do an examination of conscience. Yeah. But often, if it's been a long time since you went to confession, say it's been more, I mean, even if it's only been a month since you've been to confession, can you really remember all the things that you did wrong in the last month? Yeah. Probably not. But if you're remembering your sins every night, you will likely have a pretty good idea of what your sins are mm. because they will likely be repetitive. Uh, as, as you go through that nightly examination, you'll probably find, oh, well, if, if you have got a problem with anger, that probably comes up on most days. Uh, or maybe, maybe you start to make progress. Well, that is really encouraging as well. That was one of the reasons St. Ignatius encouraged his people to do this was if you really focus on, on uh, examining yourself and your sins, you'll notice whether, whether you're making progress. And that progress is encouraging and helps encourage more progress. So whereas if, if you don't ever examine yourself, you don't know what your faults are and you're not likely to get any better. So I really think that, uh, that those are some of, some of the best ways. Uh, but as I said, this is, not, this is not something that we can just pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and we're just gonna make ourselves virtuous, no. This is something, these are things that are rooted in the Holy Spirit. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to work within us. And that comes about through prayer. And I actually, uh, as, as I was doing my um, office of readings tonight, just before I came on, I, I came across this great quote that I thought was just perfectly applicable for our discussion. And it was, it was it's from the day's office of readings. It's a reading from St. 
St. Theophilus of Antioch. Mm. And I remember this from past years and I, it, it jumps out at me, but here's the quote. He says, a person's soul should be clean, like a mirror reflecting light. If there is rust on the mirror, his face cannot be seen in it. In the same way, no one who has sin within him can see God. But if you will, you can be healed. Hand yourself over to the doctor, and he will open the eyes of your mind and heart. Who is to be the doctor? It is God who heals and gives life through his word and wisdom. I, I think this is just so perfectly applicable. God is the healer. Jesus is the healer. He wants to heal us. He does not want us to be rooted in sin. And frankly, we cannot see God face to face until we have been purified of every one of our vices. Catholics have the, the uh, doctrine of, of purgatory, where if we die in a state of grace, so we're not in any mortal sin that would deprive us of, of going to heaven, we still don't go directly to heaven if we have various sins and, and temporal punishment that, that we have not been forgiven for or that we have not had sufficiently purged. So if we still have these vices that need to be purged, that's what purgatory is for. And uh, I was reading a book on purgatory and it doesn't sound very fun. There is fire in purgatory where it's actually purging us of our sins so that we can see God face to face. And from everything I've heard from the saints on this subject, it is much better to purge ourselves and to be purged of our sins, again, through the grace of God, here on earth, through, through growth in virtue, through our own penances and mortifications, than to be purged in the fires of purgatory. So I, we want to see God face to face. And the fact is, if it's anger or if it's another one of the, the, the deadly sins, if it's another one of the commandments that we are, are attached to, we've got to get rid of that. And only, we can only do so through the grace of God. And it's great that you mentioned these points because I don't think it's just applicable to anger. It could be applicable to any of the other sins, greed, avarice, uh, sloth, everything. Yes, I, I think that's right. And these, these sins, uh, pride, yeah. um, gluttony, lust, I think if we were to regularly examine ourselves for, for these sins, we would find that we're not the great people maybe that sometimes we think we are and that everybody, the problem is everybody else's. And the funny thing about sin is that we're not usually good at identifying our own sins, but if you were to ask somebody, <laughs> they would be pretty good at identifying your sins. Especially a so, spouse, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, especially a, a spouse or, or even your kids. Like I, I thought of that, um, say we're talking about anger again, ask your kids. Hey, hey, uh, my, my son's Dominic, my oldest, uh, Dominic, do you, do you think I'm, I'm angry? Do you think I lose my temper? Is that your experience of me? And find out what the answer is, because, uh, if you give the, a child or a spouse the permission to speak freely, I think you'll find out that they see, see you maybe differently than you see yourself. And that can be uh, that can be good because we want to help one another grow in holiness, just as we want our kids to grow up to be holy and to be saints. Well, they can help us as well by identifying our faults. And we need to always remember, um, especially with children, especially with small children, uh, when we do wrong, and we will as parents, 
we need to ask their forgiveness. And that is a humbling thing. And that is a good thing to be humbled. Uh, and God wants us to, to be like children. So when, when he, he speaks so highly of children and we find that we're constantly being frustrated by our own kids, we need, we need to, to resolve this problem. And, and we want to model God the Father to our kids and be a good example of him. And if we're exampling uh, and, and an example of, of anger, of, of an angry dad or an angry mom, that's not the model of the love of God that we want to give. And I, I, I sure would, would hope that, that our children don't hold that too much against us. But I've actually found, I've found that kids are so resilient and so willing to forgive. Yeah. And it's really, it's really beautiful uh, with, with your, your children. And uh, I think that there is a, a wonderful relationship to be had. And I think that if we improve ourselves in this area will actually, it, it's a win-win. I mean, our lives will get better. Our marriages will be better. Our families will be happier and holier uh, if we can root out these vices, not just anger, but the other vices as well. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's worth attending to and not just assuming, well, that's just the way our family is. Well, maybe it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And Lent is a good time to, to work on all of these issues. We're already halfway through Lent. And uh, I want to say thank you to you Will, for coming on the podcast and talking about anger. Um, it was it was really great hearing your tips and thank you for writing that post as well because if it wasn't for that post, I wouldn't have found you. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Tell people where they can find you online. Yeah, again, uh, my website is www.sacredartseries.com and my books are sold through Amazon. And if you were to look for the Sacred Art Series on Amazon, you could find it there. But uh, if you go to sacredartseries.com, just follow the links there and it will take you to the appropriate page to, to buy those, those items or to sign up for the, the daily sayings of St. Philip Neri. Okay, great. So thank you so much. And uh, we hope to see you again. All right. Thanks for having me on. Mm -hmm.